When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, we've got John Paul taking your calls 0818-103-103. And I can already see some texts and WhatsApps coming in to us. Keep them coming, please, to 0862-103-103. Looking at all of the papers today, obviously every newspaper commenting and reporting on the yesterday evening. Joseph Puska, 31-year-old Slovakian national with an address in Mukla in County Offaly, brought before a late night sitting of the local district court in Offaly, charged with the murder of Ashleen Murphy. The court heard that uh, Mr Puska replied no when the charge of murder was put to him. He listened to proceedings through the assistance of a Slovakian interpreter. Legal aid was then granted after a statement of means was submitted to the court. The defence solicitor outlined that the accused is on disability benefit of about €200 a week and therefore was granted uh, free legal aid. Bail can only be granted for a murder charge by the High Court. So obviously there wasn't a bail application and he's now remanded to the judge remanded the accused in uh, custody until the 26th of January. So he will be back next week in court. And there was a significant guard presence at the courthouse. And I certainly saw on social media and there was some clips on the news, very large crowd of onlookers had gathered on the street outside and obviously for a lot of very angry people were outside the court uh, yesterday um, as particularly as he entered the court and as he left and was taken away in a Garda van and then reading in the papers this morning there was a number of Ashleen's family members were uh, stood at the back of the courtroom yesterday all of them holding pictures of the young uh, school uh, teacher and of course her death has triggered the sympathies of uh, a nation but just be very careful about what people are posting online about this man and about this particular case. There was a huge amount of activity on social media last night following this man getting uh, charged. And many, certainly last night on Twitter, that I was reading some of the comments, many people were are, are focusing on this man's nationality. But of course, by doing that, we're losing the focus that has been there since Ashleen's death on the talk about trying to end violence against uh, women. 
and keeping our attention on keeping women safe. You know, as a nation, we have to make sure that we don't use his nationality as an excuse to justify overt racism because certainly a lot of the comments that I was reading last night were just laced with racism. What we all now need to do is let the Gardaí and the judicial system do what they need to do, let their work be done and then hopefully the Murphy family will be able to get uh, justice. But I just, I mention it particularly just to warn people to be very, very careful what you are posting on at line 0818-103-103. Now at the close of the programme yesterday, we heard breaking news of frontline public health workers uh, going to get a pandemic bonus of €1,000. We didn't have very much detail yesterday when the news started to break because it was a leak coming out from the Cabinet. So we had to wait until the Cabinet came out and until Michael McGrath and Stephen Donnelly, the Health Minister, started to announce further details. So it was, it was good to hear because initially it was looking like it was just going to be the frontline public healthcare workers who worked at the coalface, those who worked in the COVID wards in ICU or in high dependency wards. But it looks like it's been extended right out to to porters, to cleaners and to ambulance workers. And I think a lot of people uh, will welcome uh, that. And of course, this bonus is just one part, the government are pains to point out, one part of the government's plan to mark the COVID-19 pandemic as we are approaching the two-year mark since this pandemic started. Now, staff at private nursing homes and hospices, army personnel who worked at testing and vaccination centres, student nurses, they're all going to be eligible for the bonuses. Pharmacists, workers in private hospitals and staff at private swabbing centres will not be eligible. Staff working in private hospitals, they've not been included in the bonus. Uh, Despite, you will remember, there was an agreement which saw the private hospitals taking in public patients during the pandemic. That was the early stages. Remember that when the private hospitals were effectively taken over by the HSC, those workers who may have expected to be included in the bonus are not going to be included. And of course, as soon as the detail came out of who was included and who was not, there's now a list of people who feel they should also be uh, included. Gardaí, for example, they're out of the blocks saying they should be uh, considered for a COVID bonus as are supermarket staff. The Garda Representative Association said that while they completely welcomed the payment of the €1,000 to the front line and to the nurses and the healthcare staff because they were at the front line of the battle against the virus and they say that it is totally deserved. But the GRA say that they would hope that similar consideration would be made to other frontline emergency workers who also contributed during the pandemic and they're including themselves in that, members of Angarda Siakona. And then the Mandate Trade Union, their assistant general Jonathan Hogan said the bonus should be extended to retail workers, those who worked in supermarkets, those who worked in grocery shops and all of them working from the start of the pandemic. Again, mandate, similar to the GRA, say it's very justified for health workers and it's proper order that they get recognised for the work that they've done because of the many lives that they say they saved. But mandates say that the people they represent also see themselves as serving the communities in the shops and the stores that they are based in. Many of their members uh, worked in retail that never closed at any stage throughout the pandemic. They were open when no one knew what COVID really was and they were very vulnerable. They were packing shelves 
themselves were many workers who were working from home, they did offer a social contribution. A mandate make a point that maybe in years to come, people will look back and say how brave they were. And I don't even think we need to look, look back. I think right throughout the pandemic, everyone would say that the people who worked in all of our shops and our supermarkets and our pharmacies and our post offices and all of the businesses that stayed open to members of the public were all very brave because mandates were right in the very early days. Nobody knew for sure exactly what how bad COVID was going to be and nobody knew if you got COVID how unwell you were going to be. Nobody knew for sure you know, was it, could you die from COVID? Well, we kind of knew you could, but nobody knew who it was going to most target. So people were very brave, particularly those that went out and dealt with members of the public, because every time you dealt with a member of the public, you didn't know if that person was COVID positive uh, or not. Now, supermarket uh, chains, many of them did pay bonuses uh, to staff, and that was pointed out to Mandate, but Mandate still say that the state should also be recognising all of these workers who served throughout the pandemic. Now, the Cabinet signed off on this €1,000 bonus plan and they also, of course, announced probably one of the best kept secrets of the Cabinet, the new bank holiday. We're getting an extra day off on the 18th of March. That's the day after St. Patrick's Day. So the weekend of St. Patrick's Day will stretch from when you finish work on Wednesday. It'll stretch right through till you go back to work the following uh, Monday. And of course, from next year, uh, St. Bridget's Day then will become a permanent bank holiday in future years and when we were talking about that yesterday people were saying will it be the same as St. Patrick's Day in that whatever day St. Bridget's Day the 1st of February falls on and it's looking like no it's going to be the first Monday in February and it'll just be known as the St. Bridget's Day a bank holiday but it won't necessarily always be on the 1st of February which would the first Monday in February. Your thoughts welcomed 0818103103 If you had been sitting in with the Cabinet trying to decide who gets the bonus, who doesn't get the bonus. Are there other groups of workers that you would add to the list or do you have an understanding where the government is coming on this uh, while they probably would like to pay a bonus out to everyone financially, they can't afford to to do it. I think, did I see, they reckon 100,000 people will get the 1,000 euro bonus. So that works out at, is it 10 million is it 10 million euro I read anywhere 100 million euro Uh, anyway they don't have a bottomless pit unfortunately but are there other groups and I I think the and I'm open to correction but I really feel that the government may have to add others onto this list because I think the debate now is started with the likes of the GRA uh, coming out with the likes of Mandate coming out on behalf of the retailers other groups I think now will step forward and will say well look what about us as well and maybe they will go back to the drawing board and try to see if they can find more money to to give to uh, other groups for example Family Carers Ireland wonderful organisation and they're representing the families who looked after their loved ones at home, they were bitterly disappointed that they didn't get a mention uh, yesterday. They were really expecting that some kind of a bonus would be paid uh, to them. And I know the Irish Pharmacy uh, Union, they've also called for all of their members to be included as well. If you want to add anyone else to that list we uh, would welcome your uh, thoughts to 0818 103 103 uh, John Paul's taking your calls you can text our WhatsApp to 086 uh, to 
103. Let me quickly go to the phone lines where Breatha has a suggestion of others that should be added uh, to this list and were frontline workers. Good morning to you, Breatha. Good morning. Uh, you're saying uh, cleaners in, in secondary schools? Yes. You think they I, should be added? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have to clean the bins, clean the floors, pick up their, when they're finished their lunch, eating their lunch, uh, they make an awful mess, we have to clean it up. Um, wash the floors, sanitize everything. We're bumping into the kids. A lot of them stay on till six o'clock in the other classes. We're walking past them, crowd the kids up and down. Also, the toilets to be in an awful state. We have to clean the toilets also. Um, sanitary products, uh, human waste, constantly cleaning, mopping, bleaching. We're open to a lot more than supermarket staff, to be quite honest with you. We're, all, we're constantly dealing with bodily fluids, uh, human, human waste. Um, people, when they're finished eating, we're constantly picking up, handling things, dumping them, sanitising them and the, everything. And you, everything. And you never yeah. know if... Whoever is close to you, one of those no, pupils, are we, we, have ha, have COVID or not? Exactly, and we have to pick up their masks. Their discarded masks have to be picked up and disposed of as well. And are they not putting them into the bins themselves? No, the kids are absolutely not. They don't do anything. They're, they're constantly the classes have been in awful. A lot of the classes have been in awful state. Some of them don't. But you would always have like seventy percent of them. They would just throw their uh, discarded food on the floor. Um, there's drinks, there's spills, there's bottles, discarded soup could be up along the wall and in the toilets, it's like a, it's like a war zone in the toilets. There's um, human waste, there's the toilets, oh. they'll throw their food down the toilet, so we have to put our hands in the toilet to take them out. Um, constantly, like, we're constantly dealing with um, interactions where we're open to COVID all the time. I, you're, you're, I'm shocked hearing your, the, the description. And these, these are secondary school so yes. you're talking 12 to 18 year olds? Yes. You wonder what kind of homes they come from, wouldn't you? And, and Breda, yeah. did any of your co-workers get COVID? Yes, we all did. Oh. And do you reckon you got it at school? I know you've no Absolutely. way of knowing. Absolutely. You're convinced? Absolutely. Yes. Without a doubt. All right, so you think all school cleaners, primary, secondary, should all be Absolutely. included? We're a lot more, we're dealing with human waste constantly picking up the masks as well. We have to do it. Like We're going into a, a, a classroom where there are dozens of kids just basically after walking out past us and we're going in straight away and cleaning all their mess. So you can imagine it's it's the air. It's yeah, well, if, air any of them, if, if any of them have it, yeah. If any of them have Everywhere. it. Everywhere, yeah. And the toilets, as, as I said, they put their food down the toilets and everything and they're, they're, they're kids, you know, that they don't know nothing about cleaning up sure. Uh, you know, but I'm just trying to point out that we do an awful lot more than supermarket workers. We're dealing head on with it. Okay, all right. We'll add that to the list. Thanks for that, uh, Brida. That's uh, cleaners in schools. Kathleen says uh, home helps. Again, nothing. We, the home helps, very annoyed. We went out with no PPE uh, gear and nothing, no bonus at all. It is very unfair. Lots and lots of calls coming in about the bonus uh, payment. Ian in Carrick says nobody should get the bonus. It's like claiming off the state. There shouldn't be a bonus for anyone, says Ian. 
Crossbane. Sinead in Crosshaven says, I've heard people say pay supermarket workers. Yeah, well, that's, I was talking about that, that mandate have come out and saying everyone in retail uh, because they worked right throughout the uh, pandemic. But Sinead is making the point, didn't all of those supermarkets make huge profits out of the pandemic? Let them invest in their own employees and if they want to pay a bonus. And some, in fairness, some supermarkets did give a bonus at Christmas. But Sinead is saying rather than expect the state to give the bonus to retail workers, it should be the actual owners of the supermarkets instead. Joe said, I worked during the pandemic. I won't be getting anything, so why should others? I understand that all of the nurses and doctors worked in the healthcare uh, sector and were at the cold face of COVID. But it seems unfair on the rest of us who also went out and worked during the pandemic. And Paddy in North Cork the bank holiday is enough for everyone. He feels that the bonus is all about greed and now jealousy is rearing its ugly head because some groups are getting it over other groups. Michael is in West Waterford. Good morning to you, Michael. Morning, Ma- Trisha, how are you? I'm very well, uh, thank you. You you say there shouldn't be a difference between people, the nurses in private practice and those that are in public hospitals. Why? Yeah, correct, yes, because they, they will run on the front face of it every day as well. So you're saying if you're giving it to nurses in all hospitals... The nurses, all the nurses should get it. And all the doctors. Yes, yes. Because when the when the TDs gave themselves an increase, they didn't give it to one party and not to the other. Yeah, and it's going to put a divide, isn't it? Certainly, certainly. I think it's an absolute disgrace. Do you know somebody working in in a private hospital? I do, I do, yeah. You do, okay. Because because I, I, I did mention, uh, and we've got to go back to the beginning of the pandemic. Remember, the HSC took over all the private hospitals. That's right, yeah. That's right, yeah, yeah. And yeah. The, it, and would you do you feel it shouldn't just be for people who nursed COVID patients? It should be for everyone. All the nurses, no, all the nurses should be paid, should be paid. The, the nurses that worked in the front in the cold face of it in private practices, practice nurses, all those, they should all be paid. It. Yeah, because the, the nurses in G in the GP practice, yes, they're, yes. they're not included. They're not. No, 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 no. That's a disgrace. Would you give it to the GPs as well? Well, I don't, I don't know. They will give it to the nurses. Are they giving it to the GP uh, to the doctors in the hospital? Absolutely, they are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they should all get it in. Okay. Make yeah. it even yeah. across the board. Make it even across the board. Why chalk chalk one and cheese the other like this? Okay. As I say. When they gave themselves an increase, the TDs, they didn't give it to one party and not give it to the other party. It's a good point. It was across the board for the whole lot of them. It's a good point. All right, Michael, thank you for that. Right, thank Thanks you. for joining us. Good morning to you, Michael, in West Waterford. A lot of texts and WhatsApps coming in. Let me give you some of those. So, now, I'm sure that the answer to this is no, but somebody says, is Leo Varadkar going to get the €1,000? Remember, he hit the phones at one stage. What a great man, says uh, Tim. Yeah, back in the early, because he's, of course, he's a doctor. He, I can't remember, you, 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 he was offering was it advice I can't remember what he, what he was doing but it was something to do with being on the phones I don't think it was contact tracing but he certainly was involved I don't I listen I, I don't know but I don't imagine if he was even offered it that he would be that silly enough uh, to take it Hi Patricia this is from Mike would a medal not be more appropriate instead of a 1000 euro cash payment something a little bit like what the Gardaí get for acts of bravery when the money will be 
properly spent, they won't have any recognition. Would it not be nice if they commissioned some kind of a medal? Just an idea, says uh, Mike. So we'll throw that out to particularly to the people who are entitled to this €1,000 COVID bonus, that, that frontline public healthcare worker. How would you feel about, rather than not getting the one? getting the 1,000 euro, would you prefer a medal? The idea being that you'd have that medal then forever, whereas the Mike's point is the money will be uh, spent. On Trish, the shop assistants should get the 1,000 euro. They never signed up for this. Most of them also, you have to bear in mind, are living on a minimum wage. It's the nurse's job uh, and doctor's job at the end of the day for ca- to care for people They know what they signed up for at the beginning. And let's also not forget that those that work in healthcare are much better paid than those that work in retail. They should pay the nurses registration fees for the next five years and let that be their bonus. We won't be able to afford all of this payout. Remember, all of this money is coming from the exchequer. Hi, Patricia. Are home helps entitled to the bonus? No, home helps are not on the list at the moment. And then... um, Breda, the lady who joined us, who's the school cleaner, who was describing what it's like working during a pandemic inside in a school. And I have to say, I was horrified to hear they miss that secondary school. And she's a secondary school, so you're talking about some of them are almost young adults. So some of the leavings of class would be, would be adults. They would be 18. Someone is making the point, on that point, should school cleaners also get the bo- bo- the bonus payment. Somebody said, I thought schools were closed for months so they didn't work right throughout the uh, pandemic. Someone says, tell that woman, uh, Breda, she is doing, she is paid to do a cleaning job. That's what she gets paid to do. Now she's looking for extra money. Walk down any street in any town, village or city in this country and you'll see masks everywhere. Who has to pick those up? Uh, By the way, home helps not it's awful that home helps are not getting the bonus. They are they are the ones who've dealt with an awful lot more. They should be included. Someone else says, I don't know why that lady Breda is giving out about schools where they're not closed for a lot of the pandemic. Uh, hey guys, bonus of €1,000 to clerical staff in hospitals. Are they getting the payment? We are considered, we are considered frontline, uh, are we not? We all worked so hard and put ourselves and our family at risk coming into work the whole time. That's from uh, at Avril. OK, Avril, the clerical staff in hospitals are not getting the bonus, uh, says Avril. And she feels that they are entitled to it because they went into work every day as work uh, as well. And then another text going, what about construction workers? We continued to work on hospital care product projects. We also did a lot of maintenance work. We were doing maintenance work in hospitals in hospitals that had COVID wards. Plenty of construction staff were not entitled to a vaccine at the start when the hospital staff were all getting theirs, even though we were all working in the same environment. This is certainly leading to such a divide, is it not? 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, 
Insurance CMIG.ie Okay, I'm doing my best to try to keep up with all of the texts and the comments coming in about this €1,000 bonus for frontline uh, workers. Uh, hi Patricia, regarding that payment, seeing that everyone is now trying to jump on the bandwagon, I might try and jump on it myself. I'm putting myself forward as a frontline shopper. I have and still am taking a risk going shopping where you don't know who is near you or if they've had COVID or not or you don't know who's touched the products before you've picked them up. That's for John from Butterfield saying pay a bonus to people who went out uh, shopping. Hi Patricia, seriously that lady who was on your show saying that school cleaners should get a bonus, is she for real? How can she honestly compare cleaning a school to being a nurse? Does she not realise that schools were closed for half of the year while the hospitals were not? Next thing we'll be hearing the teachers will be saying that they're entitled to the bonus. Unbelievable. Thanking you. Hi Patricia, all healthcare workers that dealt with COVID positive patients as in hospital workers, pre-hospital workers such as ambulance staff, they should all get the payment. It was extremely difficult trying to do your job while wearing full PPE gear for the majority of your shift and putting yourself at risk when working so close to a COVID positive patient. Thank you. And that is coming in from a frontline healthcare uh, worker. Thank you for that and stay safe. I will get back to your comments coming in about this €1,000 bonus for frontline workers and the divide that's already there between people who feel they should be getting it, others feel it shouldn't be paid out at all. But I want to go to the nursing home sector because we've invited Ty Daly, Chief Executive of the Nursing Homes Ireland, to join us. Talk about a number of uh, issues, but with uh, good morning to you, Ty. Good morning, Patricia. But, but listen, let me start with this €1,000 uh, healthcare, the, the payment to frontline healthcare workers. Nursing homes are included in this, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. We were very pleased to get confirmation from the minister yesterday that um, frontline staff in the nursing home sector will, will will be in receipt of it. Now, obviously, we're awaiting the detail in terms of, you know, I suppose the eligibility criteria, if you like, and the, the procedures around it. So, but it is a, a positive, and I think it's, you know, appropriate recognition of those that, you know, really went uh, above and beyond the call of duty in the early part of the pandemic and, 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 still, and still are. And will that include everyone? I mean, will that include the healthcare assistants? Will it include the cleaners? Will it include the chefs? Everybody who worked in nursing homes? Well, that, that's what we'd expect. But uh, obviously, we have to we have, have to await the detail. I suppose ultimately, you know, a nursing home is a community of care. Um, so all of the staff, whether they're the, the maintenance person or the chef, um, you know, they're all engaging with residents on a daily basis as part as part of that that caring community. So. We would we would expect and that all of the staff would be included, but as I say, we have to wait the detail. Yeah, because I heard, and the reason I mentioned uh, a chef is one of our listeners, uh, Jim. Uh, his wife is uh, a chef, and mm. uh, she stayed overnight so that she could get up and cook for everybody the next day because so many people were out with COVID. That yeah, you know, absolutely. a lot of people went above and beyond. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what I've been hearing all the way through for the last two years. Obviously, the first number of months were, were particularly traumatic for people and particularly challenging. Um, so it's a measure of the, the commitment and the compassion of all of these people that, that they did leave their own homes, as you say, stay overnight, you know, go into a very uncertain circumstance. When we think back this time two years ago, we were in a very different place. Yeah. Uh, and there was a lot of fear in the community around around COVID. 
And, um, you know, the, the, the staff really did right across the health service and, and indeed other sectors as well. You know, it's not about pitting one against the other, but I suppose from a nursing home's point of view, it is, it is very welcome acknowledgement. Okay, now a couple of other issues that we've invited you on to the programme about. Um, firstly, um, the, the you, you've called for the government to stay ahead of international guidance on a fourth COVID-19 vaccine dose for older people. Is there now evidence coming from Israel that the fourth dose is protecting older people? Yeah, I suppose there's, you know, still early days. And, um, you know, I, I have to say I'm not an expert in this area, but I suppose what, what we have seen over the last... Uh, year and a half is, is how effective the, the the vaccine has been in general, and in particular the booster. So you're right. I mean, what we've seen in Israel is that they have started administering uh, a fourth dose to those who are uh, older and indeed more at more at risk. Um, in Ireland at the moment, there is a fourth dose uh, being uh, given to those who are immunocompromised, um, and that was a decision of NIAC some months ago. So yes, suppose yeah, exactly what I've said is that we just need to stay ahead of ahead of this. Because, you know, thankfully, Omicron seems to be over the peak, but we're, we're not out of the woods. And, um, you know, there may be other variations there. So what we need to do is, is be responsive and be able to stand up, uh, you know, a, 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 another booster if it were required. And um, obviously nursing home, staff, or nursing home residents, rather would be at the forefront of that. So, because um, when, I, when, I was, when I was thinking about this last night, I mean, the nursing home residents, I'm right in saying they were one of the first to receive the booster or the third jab, weren't they? They were, absolutely, yeah. And, uh, you know, that was in January of, la- of last year. And indeed, many of them would have received the booster in October and November of, of last year. So, you know, you're coming on to three, three months now post, um, post the booster. Now, I think it must be said that, that the booster has been so, so effective uh, I mean, there are outbreaks in nursing homes. There, there, there is COVID, and um, but what we're hearing right across the country is that people are not getting as sick, and the, the burden of illness is nowhere near what thank it was. God. Thank God! Uh, thank God! Yeah, here, and and we do but, have a supply of vaccines. We're not short of vaccines in this country. We're not. No, we're not. No, I, I, I read today where there, 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 there's a fear, I suppose, if you like, that some might have reached their expiry date. But look, we'll be guided ultimately by by NIAC. I mean, I did, to be fair, in the last day or two, read some information from the World Health Organization saying that it mightn't be a fourth dose. It might actually be a variation of the, the vaccine. So it might be a, it might be the existing vaccine with, with other properties maybe um, added to it, as it were. So as I say, I and do my you, remarks by saying I'm not an expert in this area at all. Yeah, I know. And do you know, as you mentioned, it is NIAC. Are they, are they looking at a fourth job, do you know? Well, yeah, I, I did see... Uh, reference to the fact that the, the chief medical officer has has asked them to consider it, I suppose. So, it, you know, I think to be fair, the, the vaccine program has been a huge, huge success, as we know. So, you know, I would be very confident that um, NIAC and, and the experts in that area are are monitoring it. But I suppose all I was doing was flagging it that, you know, we, as I say, we do need to stay ahead of it and, and, and be be prepared. And unfortunately, as you say, there has been some outbreaks in nursing homes. Is that just adding to the staff crisis that you have in nursing homes? Yeah, it is. I mean, look, it's still it's still a challenging, you know, because if you have COVID outbreaks, you know, it, it has an implication for, you know, isolating residents and you know maybe staff only working in a, in a particular area where there where there is um, an outbreak. So it is causing challenges. But as I say, thankfully, nowhere near what it was over the last uh, over the last while. So. Um, you know, we're in a much, much, much better place. But but vigilance is still a huge, huge uh, issue right across the sector. 
Has the relaxation of the close contact contact rules, has that helped? Yeah, it has. I mean, there, there was a facility as well for derogation of healthcare workers uh, bought in the, in the acute hospital system and indeed the nursing home. So people were working through that, you know, with, with appropriate, um, you know, safeguards and, and, and um, following the policies and procedures. But yeah, it has because those that have, have don't have symptoms uh, and are regularly, regularly antigen testing. So, you know, antigen now is being used much more widely in the nursing home sector, as indeed it is across all of society. So, um, you know, we are, dare I say it, hopefully at the beginning of the end. Um, and, uh, you know, people, but people are tired. People are exhausted now at this stage. So, um, you know, what we need to do is not drop our guard now over the next couple of weeks and, and make sure that we continue to safeguard both residents and staff in, in the sector. You mentioned antigen tests. D- did I read somewhere that nursing homes are advocating for people to do an antigen test before visiting a loved one in a nursing home? Yeah, it's actually part of the guidance now. The new guidance came into being last week in terms of visiting. So what the guidance now says, no, it's a recommendation rather than a, rather than a requirement, if, if, I, if I may. So what it says is that for those that are visiting regularly, that they should have two antigen tests per week. Okay. Uh, and for those that are, you know, coming on a one-off, that they should have an antigen test before they come. But, you know, what I'm hearing across the country is that, you know, Families are taking their responsibilities very seriously. And look, everybody is using antigen now at this point in time. So um, I don't think it's a, it's, a, it's a huge burden on people at all to take an antigen test before they come to uh, to visit a family member in a nursing home. Yeah, well, nobody would want to go into a nursing home and, and bring COVID with them to, to a loved 100%. one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, people are, you know, look, the visiting guidance uh, has evolved over time. And hopefully, as I say, we're coming into a much better place and we'll get back to a I suppose, a new norm, if you like, within within the nursing home sector. OK. All right, uh, Tyg, we leave it there. Uh, thank, thank you for you that. Did. And uh, thanks for joining us. That is uh, Tyg Daly, who is Chief Executive of uh, Nursing Homes uh, Ireland. Uh, Sharon, are the Irish Wheelchair Association going to receive this payment? Does anybody know? I have, certainly haven't seen that mentioned. Katrina, in Limerick, um, schools and the cleaning of schools. The pandemic is still ongoing. Uh, uh, Katrina says, I'm, I'm assuming she's talking about Breathe, who joined us on the programme. She should get the bonus. It's not over yet. And she also says that the parents listening to Breathe, outlining how difficult her job can be, parents need to teach their children to have more respect in the school. Monkey see, monkey do. Uh, Jim is the one who feels that everyone, anyone who worked in any hospital or any nursing home, should get uh, a bonus. It's his wife was the chef in a hospital, stayed overnight. So she she could get up and cook for everybody the next morning. Is God, isn't that just unbelievable uh, dedication? And then Mary uh, called us to say, I have a child with special needs. I'm a full-time mum. I'm not looking for a bonus, but we have lived through this pandemic. The nurses worked helping and trying to keep people alive, administering drugs. And now everyone is coming out saying that they want uh, a bonus. Is that what we've turned into? We were never like this before. Uh, says uh, Mary, everybody seeming to just jump on the bandwagon and everybody wanting uh, the pay. And others are saying, um, Mary, thank you for your call. Others are saying that this is exactly what this country is like. It's almost like a claim culture. We know how our, the country has gone like that in recent years. We've gone very litigious. I mean, almost there are certain people, if they had a car accident, they'd be calling the solicitor before they'd be calling for an ambulance, people seem to think straight away that it's, I'm not quite saying it's free money, but uh, there is that sort of sense that 
if there is something that you can get for nothing that people uh, want it. And Jim is also saying this all ties in with the claim culture. And he said it's easy to know Jesus wasn't an Irishman. He fell three times but never made a claim. And just a quick comment in from a listener says, what about all the frontline medical and admin staff who lost their lives throughout the pandemic. What recognition will their families get? How sad when money is mentioned. Greed seems to raise its ugly head. People seem to have forgotten how many people put their lives on the line for us all. And lives were lost. Shame on those who are trying to cash in, says a texter to 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurances Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Let me just quickly take a look at just because so many people have been texting in about the bonus payment and I don't want people to feel that I'm ignoring their comments. I'm not, but we're just having a busy programme. Just let me take a quick look at some of the texts that have been coming in all uh, morning. Somebody says, Patricia, what about people doing traffic at the COVID centres? Are they going to get the bonus uh, payment don't know. I do know that the people working in the test centres actually doing the testing are. Will it extend to the people that were directing the traffic? Only time will tell. What about carers, Patricia? They were frontline workers 24-7. No, carers are certainly not on the list at the moment. Hi, what about patients who went into hospital? Should they not get a bonus payment? Many went in with one condition and ended up getting COVID while in hospital. Do they not deserve a bonus for that? Someone says the bonus should only be given to those who wore full PPE gear and extend it then across public and private hospitals. Uh, Mary says, Hi Patricia, I think everyone deserves a bonus. We've all been affected one way or another by this pandemic. What about all of the elderly people who in the early days were cocooning and many of them are still isolating? Like one of your previous callers said, when you go into a shop, you don't know if you're going to pick up COVID or not. Everyone should get a payment. Hi Patricia, in my opinion, anyone registered with the HSE should be entitled to it. We went out to work every day, six days a week to vulnerable people and we dealt with COVID positive patients. I'm in home help and I've worked right throughout the pandemic and at times it was very trying. Our instruction always was to treat everyone as if they were a COVID positive case. It was the only way we could prevent people from getting it. In fairness, we also worked hard. We prevented a lot of people from getting COVID uh, by giving every time we went to work. So there's somebody on behalf of Home Helps. Uh, Hi, I've never claimed for anything in my life. I am 70. Much wants more. It's coming in from John. Listening to your interview with Breda about cleaning the schools and the COVID payment. A good friend of mine is a cleaner in a big factory and she would say, yes, people leave unbelievable mess even while they are at work and God only knows what their homes must be like. Uh, And at the end of the day, many of these great people who work as cleaners only get paid a uh, pittance. Hi Patricia, regarding the €1,000 tax-free payment to frontline workers. Justified for some, but more than likely, it'll be the least deserving that will be shouting the loudest. Is it 1,000 people or 10,000 people or 100,000 people who will be receiving this money? Just how many millions of euro will be paid out? Could you just imagine what Sister Stan could do with this government bonus look after how many thousands of homeless children in Ireland are even come a little bit closer to home. What would Katrina Toomey 
How many people could she feed? How many hungry and homeless people could she look after with a windfall like that? I can tell you the figures that are being bandied about are there are they reckon 100,000 people will be paid the €1,000 bonus. So that will cost the Exchequer €10 million. Euro. So that's the figure that you're looking for, €10 uh, million. And Dan says, Patricia, I'm furious listening to Gardaí trying to cash in on the bonus for the frontline medical workers. They are well paid for what they do when at times you can't get them when you need them. Likewise, GPs and pharmacies were all paid approximately €45 Euro per vaccination. Only staff in PPE gear who stood in PPE gear and work for 12 hours plus doing shifts in hospital settings and care homes. They to me, says Dan, are the only ones that should get it. I say particularly shame on the Gardaí for even coming out and looking for it. 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Charleville Park Hotel, they are holding a recruitment evening tomorrow evening at the hotel. Now it's between 4 p.m. and 9 p.m. Full and part-time positions are available right across their full team. You can see full details of the vacancies that are available by going on to our C103 website. And if you are going along to that recruitment evening, please don't forget to bring your CV with you. Part-time medical secretary is required to work in the Cork Road Clinic in Mallow. Can you email reception at corkroadclinic.ie? A construction worker is wanted to work in on a job in Mallow. CVs to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com. And a working site foreman and a general labourer is wanted for power washing, painting and snagging. Both are wanted for the North Cork area. 085 2411 And that's how our job link looks today. It's a very busy one, by the way. And if you want to see all of the details and many, many more job opportunities, please go online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Let me give you a flavour of what some of the listeners are thinking about. Hi Patricia, our carer is going to get the €1,000. Do you know? No, they're not on the list but I know Family Carers Ireland were probably the first out of the block saying that absolutely they should be included. Here's an, a one and this is an interesting one. I think priests should perhaps qualify for the €1,000. Many of the over 70s were cocooning. Therefore, the few left had to pick up the slack, visiting the sick and doing all the funerals and baptisms and everything else that needed to be done in the parish. Quite frightening, especially at first. Their incomes have also been reduced, yet their workload have doubled. I would like to see them, priests, being reimbursed in some way. Would others agree? Denise in West Cork on the COVID compensation. If I hear any more workers claiming this bonus I will scream says our Denise in West Cork it should only be given to those in the health sector who gave and she puts this in bold letters critical care directly to COVID patients they sacrificed their own health their family life and their lost colleagues in the early days says Denise they are the only ones that are entitled to it the girls in Mado says what about the wife at home they never stopped working and that's a rather tongue in cheek comment thank you to the girls in Mado morning Patricia with reference to this 1000 euro being paid uh, to people in direct com- contact with COVID patients in my opinion the money should be paid to 
everyone who got out of bed and went out to work, no matter what type of work they carried out during the pandemic. I don't think that those who worked from home should not be entitled to this money and it should be pro rata for part-time workers. I think that if all the people who left the comfort of their own homes to keep the wheel turning, they should be getting this money because after all, if the wheel stopped turning, how would we have survived? Where is the gratitude to those people? Thanking you in anticipation of reading this out. I wonder if you would agree with my opinion. Listen, I, I think loads of people made sacrifices. So yes, absolutely. I think there are there's been real unsung heroes throughout the pandemic. But I'm also thinking of if everybody in this country who physically went out to work was to get the €1,000, I'm also thinking, how would we afford it? That's, that would be my big worry. Uh, what, 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 you know, what would we do? How would we actually afford, afford it? Where would the money actually come, uh, come from? But I know the point you're making. There are a lot of unsung heroes that no doubt we'll talk about in many years to come. Uh, Sean says, what about reducing the bonus? Have it. Make it €500 Euro and give it to all frontline workers and make it tax-free. Well, the €1,000, Sean, is already tax-free. Would those who are entitled to it be willing to say, I'll only take half and we'll pass it on to everyone who worked in any way in a frontline uh, sector. I still don't know if that would be enough though. Hi Patricia, I don't believe that it is fair that only some are getting the bonus. It should be either all or none of us. At the end of the day, we all get paid for our jobs regardless of what profession we are in. I work in the private sector. I was able to work from home. Many were not. And as a result, my workload doubled. It was a very stressful time for me and probably many other home workers too. But I'm still waiting for a bonus or an apology from the government. This would have not happened had the government not decided to close offices. It was traumatic for all of us. So I think they should they should leave it at the extra bank holiday or else pay everyone who was working throughout the pandemic a bonus. Take care, says Marie, who says, I feel like home workers are forgotten and many of us didn't even earn more than those who were out of work because of the pandemic and ended up on the pop the pandemic uh, payment. Uh, 0862103103. Richard joins me from the Mallow Meals on Wheels group. Good morning to you, Richard. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, uh, thank you. You you come batting for those who, the volunteers who worked for Meals on Wheels. Yes, the volunteers that worked, and, and also the staff that worked in the kitchen. Like they were, they were employed by the department. Like, but none of them left. They were there. The cook was there. The three girls were there. Our committee worked very hard during it. Um, we nearly went up to 100 percent on deliveries. We were going all hours, church town and places like that. Like. We were very, very busy, and there was a lot of people came and gave us a hand that were left go from work. They, they, they came with us. We had a few people working with us that were left go during the, the refurbishment of Cork Airport. Like we, we had great help and everything like that. But these people kept going, and there, some days they were going seven days a week. The one particular person for seven days a week, we were delivering dinner. And and putting themselves at risk because they never knew when they went out if they were going to come in contact with somebody who was COVID positive. Yes, yes, yes. No, we did make sure, and the HSC did make sure when the when the pandemic started, all all our staff were all inoculated. Great. All our drivers were inoculated as well. But they but they still worked right throughout the pandemic. They still worked right throughout the pandemic. Yes. 
Yeah, and, and and they were frontline workers. They kept people fed. Yes, yes. All right, and you're busy. You're still as busy as ever, Richard, are you? We're, we're still as busy as ever. I'm not the chair anymore now. I'm are you not? And, and the committee. But, like, you know, they're still as be- very busy as ever. Like, I mean, our, our, our uh, treasurer there, Elmer Conan, is, is, is brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, but listen, each and every one of you guys, Meals on Wheels all over the country are just another group of real unsung heroes. You really are. Okay, stay safe, uh, Richard, and thank you for that. Thanks uh, for joining us. And this came in by uh, email by somebody who says, please don't uh, read out my name. But this, this, these are my thoughts on the €1,000 pandemic bonus. I really appreciate everything that frontline staff did and are still doing during this awful pandemic. And I thank all of those staff. However, I don't think €1,000 is the way to go to show appreciation. This is only going to cause a massive debt for the next generation to pay off on top of everything else that we will have to endure. I spoke about this last night with my three daughters and we all had very different opinions. But one idea was that they should have some kind of a commemorative pin for each of the staff that worked during this, in inverted commas, war because that's what it felt the pandemic was like. And it could be presented to each and every one of them by our president. That might be a little bit more meaningful. The money that the government intend to give out should then be put back into the health service to provide more beds and perhaps retrain some nursing staff into ICU nurses and other things that are badly needed within the health service. The bonus as it stands will be circulated back into the economy and in time people won't even remember what they spent it on. But you would have an award with this PIM that you would have forever. And it's something then that could be passed down to your family with a lovely background story going with it. This is just my idea. Not a bad one. And it's somebody else came on earlier with a commemorative medal and was liking it too when a member of Angar the Corner goes above and beyond. You know, they get their bravery medal. And you are right. It is something that would be passed down then through the generations that, you know, Granny was a frontline worker during the pandemic and she got this special pin, this special medal and she got it from the president president and there would be lovely stories uh, going uh, with it. And I also like the thought of it's going to be 10 million euro. Is go- That's what it's going to cost to pay all the frontline workers the 1,000 euro. I like the idea of it going back into the health service because God knows we hear from the INMO talking about all that I'm talking about. Extra resources are needed in the hospital so that 10 million could be reinvested that way. Love to hear how frontline workers, those that are entitled to the 1,000 euro, how they would feel about that suggestion that rather than get the cash that you'll end up spending you won't even remember where you spent it on would you prefer to have something actually have a medal or a pin or some kind of a commemorative coin something that you could pass on to future generations your thoughts welcome to 0862103103 or that was emails we always welcome your emails to patricia at c103.ie and John Paul's taking the calls 0818103103 Court today on C103 with John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie and we're going to McCroom Guard the station for this week's Scar the Fibre, I'm joined by uh, Sergeant Emer O'Connell. Good morning to you, Emer. 
Good morning, Trish. How are uh, you? I'm very well, and you're welcome to the programme. And uh, we want to start with something that I heard about uh, the other day and just sickened me. This is to do with the con- offensive conduct of a sexual nature that happened during a Zoom meeting. And the Zoom meeting was a vigil for the for the wonderful Ashley Murphy. Can you can you tell us what happened? Um, yes, there was a Zoom meeting held on Sunday, the 16th of January this year. Um, it was a vigil for the deceased Ashley Murphy, and the incident was reported then at Connacilty Guard Station on the following day, the 17th of the 1st. The organiser of the Zoom vigil for the late Ashley Murphy reported the incident of um, indecent exposure, which occurred during the Zoom meeting. Um, it was very frightening for anyone that was on the Zoom meeting and caused great offence. So many of the other people um, have reported this also to the media. And if anyone wants to make a report or complaint regarding what they saw, or anything related to the Zoom meeting, um, they could contact their local guard station, who would then forward on their details to the West Cork Protective Services Unit that are based in Dunmanway, and they would follow up and take a complaint from anyone that was on the Zoom meeting and found this uh, material very offensive. Okay, so just, yeah, and because there would have been a number of people on that Zoom meeting, and just because somebody else has reported it, you're saying anyone who was on that Zoom meeting who was offended, please make contact. Please make contact. I suppose the more people that uh, make a complaint, um, it'll make the case stronger going forward and someone might know something, a different bit of information that would help the investigation. So okay. any information would be um, appreciated. But it is being investigated. It is being investigated Great. by the protective services which are based in um, Dunmanway. Great. OK. Now we move on to the theft of a horse box. Yes, between the 13th and the 16th of January this year, a white, a blue and white Ivor Williams horse box was taken from the yard in the Balnhasig area. So if anyone would have seen this horse box being towed or anything suspicious, maybe someone might have been offered this um, horse box for sale at a, a very low price, if they would contact the Gardaí in Balnhasig on 021-488-5102. It's a blue and white Ivor Williams horse box. Now, there's been some uh, reports of burglaries and unfortunately on the increase in the McCroom district. Yes, we have noticed in the last couple of weeks a large increase, I suppose, of attempted burglaries and burglaries, especially around the Mill Street area. So we'd ask people, I suppose, to be vigilant um, about leaving their houses at different times. Some of them have happened during mass times. It just shows that people are watching when people are leaving the house. So just uh, be vigilant. Make sure that your windows and doors are closed and secure. Don't place a spare key um, under the mat or a flower pot. Uh, we'd also ask people to maybe keep an item of the um, keep a list of the valuable valuable items in their home, and maybe keep a picture of them and possible serial number. So if they're ever stolen or recovered, that it's easier return to the owner. And also, if on the larger property items, they might be able to engrave your initials or something onto it that only the owner would be able to identify at a later stage. And we all now, the majority of us, have a phone with a camera, so it's easy enough to take photographs of our valuable items. That's it. Keep, keep just uh, in a separate folder, maybe, a few photographs of different things like televisions, laptops, iPads, and keep the serial number or a copy of the receipt. And yeah. you have them in a separate little folder there within your phone that you may be able to put up to the iCloud. Yeah. It would always be there for time. Yeah, and hopefully you'll never need to use it, but just in case you, you do. Um, registration plates stolen but recovered? Yes, um, a couple of weeks ago um, in a wooded area there was registration plates recovered. These were stolen um, weeks previous in a, a different district um, a division. So I suppose if ever your registration plates are taken off your car, please report to the guard station because then a warning could be put on your registration number. So if they're ever using the commission of crime, 
we could maybe um, source it back straight away. These um, the plates that were recovered were actually used in drive off. Wow. So I suppose it's just great that um, they have been now recovered and we're able to trawl back through CCTV and identify the, the culprits of this crime. But again, it's important that if you have your registration plate stolen, just report it. Don't just go Absolutely. away and get new registration plates. It's important to report. Fraud, unfortunately, is still an ongoing problem. This is still, every day there is something new and different ways of people being conned out their money. Um, recently, there was um, a new scam or where someone received a text message via WhatsApp reporting that a family member had lost their phone and was using a temporary phone. So the scammers then engaged the injured party in conversation and then asked them for this bill to be paid urgently. So they got money out of the, I suppose, person concerned for the family member who had lost their phone um, and I suppose took, took advantage of their vulnerability and goodwill or good nature. Okay, so if you if somebody says they're ringing you from a different number, ring that ring straight away and see who the person is. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And then bank, the Bank of Ireland, these are the ones coming from the bank or a text purporting to be from the bank? Yes, um, we had a report of a male receiving a text message from the Bank of Ireland looking for him to cl- click on a link to replace the last card. It was the, the gentleman started clicking all the links as he was told to do, was prompted to do, and then just thought there might be something wrong with it. So rang his own bank and then he was told that there was nearly a large amount of money taken from his account and that in this short space of time, all his passwords had been changed. So he was locked out of the account himself. But only I suppose that he was extra vigilant and saw that uh, he just thought there was something a little bit wrong with it. He reported straight away to the bank himself so they were able to put a stop to and it. And they'd already, they'd nearly got a thousand euro from the man. It's yeah, a lot of money. That's, sure. that's, a, that's a lot of money. And then the uh, the other one is where a lot of people are buying things online and you now have to pay either customs or postage or whatever on it. There's another. There's a scam doing the rounds with that one. Yes, um, it seems to be coming from, it looks like it's coming from on post. And they're looking for, a, I suppose, a small payment of one ninety nine, which is, they, oh, that isn't an awful lot. I'll just pay that there to cover the postage. And when you click on the email, you're asked for your visa or debit cards and then, of course, you're, there's a larger amount of money taken from your account. But I suppose at this stage, you're after giving over your details and then trying to get the money back and reporting it to the bank then, I suppose, is just of the essence to get there in a timely fashion so they can try and get the money back. OK, you just have to bring your A game every time you get a text Absolutely. or a phone call or, or an email. Changing okay. their tactics every day and just a step ahead the whole time. So just, I suppose, be extra vigilant. Reports of wild deer on the N22, Emer. Yes, we're after in the last couple of weeks, there's a, a large number of calls out coming in about deer on the N22 in a few places between um, Lissarda and the Four Mile Bridge in McCroom, also um, the county bounds, Balavorny side of the county bounds, and also by the Bantry line. Um, I suppose these are wild deer, they can't be contained, but we just ask for people to be extra vigilant because they are sort of springing out onto the road and have caused a few accidents and caused extensive damage to cars. People would get an awful fright when this deer would come out um, from, the, from the field or from a ditch or wherever, and they could cause, um, I suppose, a large amount of damage to your, your car or come through the windscreen and cause damage to yourself as well and a lot of injuries. OK, and you want to keep everybody uh, safe. A lot of children and young people got bicycles and scooters for Christmas. Yes. Um, even around McCroom Town, we're noticing this ourselves. There's a lot of activity, I suppose. It's great to see people out and about um, enjoying the fresh air and the stretch in the evenings. But with um, scooters and bicycles, I suppose there are um, dangers as well. 
we would ask people to be wearing helmets and to have protective clothing on them so if they do fall off, they mightn't be used to the bicycle or the scooter, that they would um, that they would be safe in case they fell off, in case they injured themselves. We'd also ask for people to be um, lit up well, that they would have torches um, and lights on the front and the back of the bicycle and also to wear reflective jackets. It's still dark there in the evenings, um, so I suppose just we want people to be out enjoying themselves. We also want them to be safe, to go home safely. Yeah, and would you slow down on the scooters? I passed a, a young man, or a young man passed me this morning. I was in the car. He was on a footpath whizzing. I mean, really going at top speed on one of these scooters. And it just struck me. He was on a footpath where there were houses that you, know, you open your front door and you're out onto the street. I was thinking if somebody walks out of one of those front doors they won't hear him coming he won't see them and there'll be a head-on collision between somebody on a scooter who That's could then it, get yeah. knocked out under a car coming up Absolutely they, they, they're not going to affect I suppose people be around now with their earphones in or maybe more elderly people that wouldn't be aware of these bicycles or scooters coming behind them I would startle them and I suppose we just want everyone to be safe, I suppose, and happy going around yeah, for everyday yeah. business. Okay, listen, a good words of advice as always, Emer. Thank you for that. And um, thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you so much. Good morning to you. That is Sergeant Emer O'Connell, who is based at uh, McCroom Garda Station. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. If you've got a pet question, get it into us, please, because Jane Pickett will join us later this hour. You can call John Paul 0818 103 103. Some of your texts are coming in on the €1,000 bonus. Somebody says, Patricia, what about the workers at CoAction or the workers at COPE or St. Joseph's Foundation and Special Needs Carers? Have they been uh, considered? Well, actually, I heard... Michal Martin, the Taoiseach, speaking on national radio earlier today and he was explaining that there is a panel that's been created to look at categories that there may be issues around. He's accepting while it's more or less finalised. He is saying that it's complex in terms of other categories of uh, workers. And when he was pressed on it, you know, he said, for example, they're going to look at this panel are going to be asked to look at workers like nurses and receptionists at GP practices. But he was also asked about people who worked in the area of disabilities and he said that the panel will look at particular categories of workers in the context of this scheme. So I would take from that it hasn't been ruled out yet. It's this panel will make the decision. Hi Patricia, I was delighted to hear that healthcare workers are to get this €1,000 bonus. As for anybody else thinking that they are entitled to it, I think they need a reality check. These people on the front line put their lives at risk during the pandemic when nobody else was driving anywhere. People weren't even going to the chipper or going to the shop for a bottle of milk. I must also give cre- credit to frontline staff like delivery drivers, postmen and postwomen, shop employees, Meals on Wheels people. They deserve huge credit. The country knows that they are the unsung heroes too. Mary says, Patricia, my blood boils when I hear all those selfish people claiming to be entitled to this payment. It's for the frontline staff. It's for those who wore PPE gear at work for shifts of 12 hours and more. Did the Gardaí or the bus drivers or any of the other workers who are claiming they're entitled to it, did they wear PPE gear for 12 hours or more? They had their jobs. 
God bless, that's from Mary. Someone else says this should simply be scrapped. It's causing too much trouble. Hi Patricia, on the bonus payment, I didn't hear one word about fire workers and rescue personnel. They had to go into people's homes when there was COVID present and they had to attend road traffic accidents, never knowing if somebody was COVID positive or not. And by the way, I'm not a fire fighter. Hi Patricia, I was working earlier and I missed part of your show. Uh, home helps, are they to be included? Not at the moment, certainly they have haven't been mentioned but maybe this panel will look at uh, home helps. Someone else says Hi Patricia, I think the government have made a huge mistake with the announcement of this bonus. Give it to all who went to work every day and I mean every day or else give it to no one. Every day we go to work we had to take the good with the bad, take the busy with the quiet. There are certain employees who go out every day into dangerous working conditions. Do we hear them moaning and whining. The Irish are the best in the world when it comes to whining and looking for something for nothing. The nurses and the hospital staff at the end of the day are paid to do this job and they're alive now to tell the tale. How quickly we've forgotten the people that died. How quickly we've forgotten their families. Not that their families have forgotten them. Uh, Do you hear any of them looking for a bonus? Would people ever just stop, stop, stop with all of this whining? Says one of our listeners and some of your WhatsApp. A slew of of WhatsApps. Uh, um, hi Patricia, I think there should be no bonus. It's your the job you sign up to. What do people want? A gold medal for doing the work that they go to every day and get paid? God only knows where this will all end. Patricia, if anyone deserves a medal, it's you. You kept us informed with information about everything to do with COVID. That's from, from Therese. Thank you for that, Therese. I know I don't want a bonus. I was glad, glad to come out to work uh, every day. I have to say that. Uh, hi Patricia, I think the children should get something for being isolated and locked up for so long, unable to see their friends, their grandparents and other family members. This has had a terrible effect on so many children and they've lost out on so much of their childhood. Maybe some vouchers or some breaks away for children would be nice. Also, some consideration should be given to parents who homeschooled their children during the pandemic. Many of these parents had a few children to homeschool and many of them had to work from home at the same time. It was an extremely difficult time. Hi, uh, Patricia. With inflation going through the roof, we should all get some of this money to simply pay our bills. Well, we will be getting the €100 Euro for the electricity. Well, we That hasn't been signed off yet. I think that's due around uh, March. Tim says, Patricia, the €1,000 bonus is ridiculous. The greed is sickening. I reckon some of the frontline workers are even embarrassed about it. If the government really wants to hand out money to those affected by the pandemic, why not give it to those who lost a family member? to COVID. That's from Tim. I did hear a nurse who uh, worked throughout the coalface who was in, in title to her. I think she was running a, I think she was running a nursing home and uh, she came out yesterday and said that she never looked for it and that she doesn't want it. She feels privileged that she had her job and kept her job while it was very difficult. So, so I think you're right. Not all frontline workers are screaming from the rooftops that they want this money. There are another cohort, obviously, that are, but not not everyone. Hi, I agree with everything Dan has uh, said. I can't, I, don't, I can't remember. I, well, I, get, I don't know which was Dan's comments, but thank you for that. Tom says, Patricia, what about the grandparents who had to homeschool the grandchildren and we were stressed to the high heavens five days a week and had to learn 
online ourselves or to work a computer or a tablet. Some even had to get the internet installed into their homes just to do this work. Did they not deserve recognition for educating the younger people in this country, says Tom? looking for a bonus paid out to grandparents. Hi Patricia, what a fantastic idea from that lady who emailed your programme about a commemorative medal or a commemorative pin. Yes, there are so many well-deserving, but please stop, stop, stop with this. What about me, culture? Let's just be grateful that we've survived COVID. We are becoming a nation of grabbers for sure. And a different Tom says the 1,000 euro greed is alive and well and there's a lot of people at it. It's all about me, myself and I, says Tom. Someone else says, I think the pin that that lady emailed you about, fantastic idea or a medal. The way everyone who worked during COVID on the front lines could be rewarded, including all of the home helps and the Meals on Wheels people, the shop people, on post staff, everybody who went out to work would be entitled to get a medal. Okay, thank you for that. And the girl was right when she said today about cleaning the schools. She should be paid what the teachers are paid, cleaning up after disrespectful young people. That is not on. Okay, that's just a sample of so many texts coming in to us. We're looking for your pet questions, please. 0862103103. You can text her WhatsApp or you can call John Paul at 0818 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. A vigil for Ashleen Murphy will be held in Carrick and Afrin in Glenville. That's happening tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. The closed collection to raise funds for the Marion Hall car park continues this week in Ballinhasic. They're looking, they're collecting this evening from half six to 7.45 and on Saturday half two to four. And the Cope Foundation is appealing for people to support their fundraising campaign by taking part in their Walk 300,000 Steps Challenge for the month of February. You can check out full details by going to their webpage or check out Cope Foundation's Facebook page. Abandoned tractor, truck, vintage cars, jeeps, rum, will take place next Sunday registration from 11am at Bandon Mart and the run departs at 1pm proceeds are in aid of St Peter's Church Development Fund Bandon Area Special Children and the Cork Down Syndrome Centre entry fee 20 euro Cork Today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie it now seems that construction could start as early as this autumn on the delayed 6 million euro public realm upgrade and flood defence scheme along some of Cork's most flood prone city keys. The Minister of State for the Office of Public Works Patrick O'Donovan has welcomed the news and Patrick uh, joins me this afternoon. Good afternoon to you Patrick. Good afternoon Patricia. And you're, you're very welcome. Now this project was approved by councillors I actually had to check the date yesterday it's back in 2018. It was delayed obviously because of legal challenges are we now at the end of legal objections stopping the scheme from proceeding? Well where we are I suppose is, is where the council are, are, it's an important place for the council to be. We're at a stage where the council can go to what's called pre-qualification for tender. And basically what that is, is the council can go out to the market to see who's out there uh, and would be interested in terms of contractors to, to proceed with Morrison's Island. And Morrison's Island is part of 
uh, the overall development uh, of what is uh, the, the lower leaf flood relief scheme, a massive investment by the government through the Office of Public Works, which will be delivered jointly by Cork City Council and Cork County Council uh, for the, the lower leaf flood relief scheme, uh, a massive undertaking by the state uh, to protect properties uh, the whole way up the lower leaf. So this is an important step. Uh, it's a really welcome step, and I want to pay tribute to Ken Darty, the CEO of Cork City Council, all the staff that are there. I've had a lot of engagement to, since I was appointed. As you know, I've been on your show, unfortunately, too many occasions now at this stage talking about flooding, not only in Cork, but in the in the provincial towns of County Cork as well. Um, uh, all too many occasions talking about what is the scourge really and how we need to deal with it and the speed at which we need to deal with it. But this represents a, a €140 million Euros in total, the lower leaf flood release scheme. And the scale of it is 2,100 properties. So the, it is an enormous investment by the government. And the Morrison's Island element, which we're just talking about now, is a small part of that little jigsaw. Uh, which will represent really, uh, you know, from from the Lee catchment right down through the city uh, into where the the the, the, the Lee enters the sea. But it, it will give an opportunity for the city to to really be reinvigorated uh, and see it as an area that can be invested in and the potential of the city to to really, I suppose, be awakened. Because when I met the the business people, the residents, the local representatives, through the Lord Mayor and the city manager when I was down there. Unfortunately, on those occasions when people were brushing sewerage and effluent and every sort of excrement out of their their front doors, yeah. what they wanted was an opportunity for the city to shine into the future and leave the scourge of flooding behind them. Like Mallow did, like Fermi has, like Bandon has, like Skibbereen has, like Clamacilty has, like all the other towns have that we've invested in. Yeah, and the, the, the city needs that opportunity as well. And the plan would be that when the, the scheme is, is fully completed, it would remove much of the tidal flood threat, wouldn't it, from the city centre? Well, you see, the, the city floods not only from the tide, it also floods from, from the river. Uh, and yeah. we know from the big event that happened in the past that, you know, Cork is inside in a bowl. Uh, and, you know, I, I suppose my surname isn't last in people. Uh, you know, the O'Donovans have a long connection to, to, to Cork, uh, so I have a lot of Cork connections, and I'm very proud of my Cork connections. Uh, and uh, I studied in UCC, I know the city well, and, you know, the geography of Cork lends itself to, to flooding. It's inside in a bowl. So, you know, we know from the, the, the big event that happened there back in the early part of the Nazis that, uh, you know, when you have the perfect storm, when you have the land sudden, when you have uh, a big weather event, uh, when you have southerly winds, when you have a high tide, uh, you know, all of the factors that can come together can lend itself to a situation where you're in a very precarious position for the business people, for the residents, for the people right up along Western Road, all the way up the Mardyke, all that area of the city, not just the city centre around Morrison's Island uh, and um, the Grand Parade and places like that, um, but for, 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 for a wider catchment area. So this is a, an enormous scheme uh, that will deliver not only uh, for the immediate, I suppose, protection of houses, but it will also deliver for an investment opportunity that will see potential investors that will look at the city at the moment and see, you know, well, there's an outstanding issue that uh, Cork City Council and the Government of Ireland have to address, which is to make sure that this doesn't happen into the future. And that's our job. So it's about leaving this thing behind us and looking to a future of optimism and hope that gives that city hope that other cities and other towns in the country have had. Uh, and that's our job, and that's my motivation. My motivation is about keeping water out of people's houses. That's it. 
and making sure that city yeah. centres and town centres have an opportunity to thrive. And for houses and for businesses that have been decimated by flooding over the years. I mean, with the, the effect that the pandemic has had on some of our city businesses, this flood defence scheme is needed now, Patrick, more than ever. Well, speaking of businesses, my brother's a publican in Bendon. My sister-in-law is a news agent in Bendon. They've both been experiencing this uh, for, for, for many years. So they've seen it, I've seen it at both sides, the family member of somebody in a cart town that has had to experience brushing every sort of excrement out the front door and knowing the, the impact of flooding on the one hand, but more importantly, knowing the impact of a relief scheme and what it means to a town and what it means to a community and what it means from the council garnered by the support of the local community and the public representatives, but backed up by the Office of Public Works through the support of the finance uh, that is given by the government and delivered through um, the commitment of the flood relief scheme means to a local community. And I've seen it in my own family in a West Cork town, what it means. Mm. So I know that that when I walked down Princess Street, Oliver Plunkett Street, uh, down there uh, into the heart and the core of old Cork City, and I studied in Cork, and I know those streets, and I know those businesses. You know, those are places that when I was when I was a student in UCC, I went in and out of. Uh, I worked there uh, uh, as a kitchen porter in in, uh, in a restaurant in the city centre, so I know those people well. Um, and they're saying to me because when I go down there, you know, I suppose out of office hours, and they recognise me, and they say to me, "When is our scheme going to be delivered?" You know, is tonight a night that we're going to have to go to bed and worry that we have to put the stools up, put the tables up, put the fridges up? That's not a life. That's not, you know, that's an existence. Uh, and we have to do better for those people. Uh, and they have to be, you know, sure that when they go to bed at night that the weather forecast is not the last thing that they should have to worry about. Okay, uh, and, that, are, and are you... That they are, have to be able to be relieved from. And that's our, that's our objective and that's our sole objective. Are you confident, as I mentioned, the introduction that work could begin as early as this autumn? We take these things uh, sequentially and, and incrementally. And the one thing I have never done is I've never thrown out these kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, lines uh, in terms of, uh, of um, you know, hopeful and optimistic timeframes. We'll stick to the, to the, to the uh, incremental progress that we're making. This week, Anne Doherty, the CEO of the Council, issued a very optimistic note in terms of, uh, you know, being able to go through the pre-qualification tender documents. That's where we're at at the moment. Let's take each step now um, sequentially. We're making progress. We'll stick to that and we'll, uh, we'll work with, through this with Cork City Council as the funding agent with them uh, and we won't be, I suppose, deflected in it uh, to, to do what it is that we're set out on the statute to do, which is to deliver a scheme uh, for the lower leave flood relief scheme to, as I say, a massive investment of over 100 million uh, for over 2,000 properties. Uh, but more than that, uh, to give optimism, hope, uh, and potential um, investment opportunities for for the second city in the country, the likes of which they will not have seen in previous generations. Okay, all right. And I heard you just on the news there with Barry, our newsreader, at, at uh, twelve o'clock about the Bantry flood relief scheme design consultants to be appointed. Yeah, so I hope in the next couple of weeks, uh, with Cork County Council to be in a position to go to Bantry uh, to, to really, I suppose formally put that, that process in train. We have a lot of work done uh, with Cork County Council. Uh, you know, Bantry floods, unfortunately, from, from two different sources. One is an underground culvert, an underground river. The other is from the tide, uh, from the from the harbour itself. Um, so no more than in Skibbereen, Clannacilty, in Bandon, Mallow and Formai, we now want to do for Bantry what we've done for the other towns. 
we want to work with the local community to design a scheme uh, that we you know will will meet the needs of the community into the future meet the needs of the you know the local representatives the tidy towns the business people uh, all of the vested interests in the area so um, the appointment of our engineers uh, is the first step in that uh, it's a it's a planning process that we have to go through we have to be cognizant of the fact that it's a you know it's an environmentally constrained area it Bantry is an incredibly beautiful place we want to maintain that uh, uh, you know the the the, uh, the tourism element that's there, but as well as that, our overriding uh, priority has to be to make make sure that uh, the business people, the residents, uh, and those who trade in the town and those who live in the town uh, are protected from that scourge of flooding into the future. And we know, and I suppose I listened to Senator Dennis O'Donovan when I was down there with Tim Lumber and others that you know it was once upon a time when he was growing up that it might have flooded once every couple of years. Now it's happening a couple of times every year. year. Yeah, and, yeah and, and so this frequency, thanks to climate change, is something that we have to address. But we're committed to addressing it with the local community, with Cork County Council and with others. And we want them to work with us because our motivation is singular. It is to protect people and their properties and their livelihoods. Okay. All right. Listen, we leave it there, uh, Patrick. Thank you for that, and thank you for taking time out to talk to Thanks us today. Thanks, Patricia. No problem. Good morning to you. That is the Minister of State for the Office of Public Works, uh, Patrick O'Donovan. Uh, some of your texts and calls uh, coming in, Mary. We spoke about scams earlier when we had our guard the file on. Uh, Mary says, Patricia, just to let others know, and give it out by way of a warning. I got a text message at eleven o'clock last night, supposed to be coming from AIB, saying someone by the name of Jackie was trying to draw money from my account. Got they're getting really cheeky with even putting names into it and obviously there was a link uh, detailing it all pure scam uh, Mary just ignored it completely and then yesterday she had a call what looked like it was coming from a Killarney number it mightn't have been coming though from a Killarney number and it was meant to be customs and exercise and they were looking for, for money but again Mary immediately knew that it was a scam please people be careful there does seem to be an increase in uh, scams I mentioned that one of the things that's been announced by the government yesterday when they were talking about the pandemic bonus for the rest of the country. There's going to be the extra bank holiday this year on the 18th of March and then going forward from next year we're going to have an extra bank holiday forevermore and it's to celebrate St Bridget's Day but it won't be on the 1st of February every year it'll be on the first Monday of every February. Now every couple of every number of years obviously it'll land on the 1st of, of February but it'll be the first Monday of every in February. Uh, a listener's not happy with that. St Patrick's Day is celebrated every year on the 17th of March but now we're hearing that St Bridget's Day will be on the first Monday in February instead of the 1st of February which is St Bridget's Day. This is discrimination. Just call it out, says uh, this uh, listener who's not happy at all. I don't think they're going to be changing. St Bridget's Day will always be the 1st of February. It's just we're going to have a, a bank holiday around it. But this listener feels it's discrimination. Do others agree? Margaret says on the bank holiday. I'm disgusted with all the grabbers this morning contacting your programme, Patricia. The bank holiday should be sufficient for all. Haven't we been through enough in the last two years? I can't believe some of the comments I'm hearing on your programme this this morning. What have we become, says uh, Margaret. And then just on COVID certificates. Hi, Patricia. Can anybody tell me if my COVID certificate should have the exact same details as my passport? I'm going on holidays next week and my COVID cert doesn't have my other, the name that's on my passport. You need to get that sorted out ASAP. The name on your COVID cert must match the name that's on your passport. 
and we discovered this last year when we had some people who turned up at an airport and the COVID certificate I know there was one lady in particular her COVID certificate was in her maiden name and her passport was in her married name wasn't accepted at the airline and I know we heard of somebody else who I think their name was John but for some reason they're called Tim that's who's doing a bell with me but their actual name their name on their passport is John and again same thing happened now you can get it changed if you go on to gov.ie onto the COVID certificate uh, link very easy to do it because I had to do it last year for Marsha because Marsha's actual name is Maria and but obviously when she had her vaccine it went down as Marsha so her COVID certificate arrived as Marsha uh, not Maria so we had to change it and it was very easy to do I did it online and it gives you all the options of what you want to change whether it's the first name the surname even sometimes wrong dates of birth have ended up on COVID certificates very easy to change it online and then they'll email you out the new certificate and if you're going on holidays next week I would get working on that today. I did see as well, just on COVID certs, that around 700,000 people who've got their booster uh, may have to apply themselves for the updated EU digital COVID certificate. It seems the HSE, or it's not the HSE, it's the Department of Health have come out and said that there are about 700,000 people who got their booster and for whatever reason, the Department of Health do not have an email linked to the person who got the booster. And now they are sending text messages out to people. So if you receive a text message telling you to apply for your COVID certificate, you need to uh, do it. Now, the easiest way, uh, as always, to get this COVID certificate is to do it online. But you can, if you're not able to operate online, you can go, the HSE has a phone line where you can get your COVID certificate, particularly for people who don't use email at all and want it sent out in the post. They want the hard copy of it. And that's 1-800-700-700-1-800-700-700. But they reckon there's about uh, 700,000 people. There had been talks we were going to do away with the COVID certificates in this uh, country, but that hasn't been ruled in or ruled out at the moment. But it is important if you're planning on travelling because you definitely have to have a COVID certificate if you want to uh, travel. And remember from the 1st of February, the EU is putting a nine-month expiry date on the previous COVID-19 certs. So if you haven't had a booster and you had your second jab more than nine months ago, then your your COVID certificate has gone out of date. So it is important if you had the booster that you get your updated COVID certificate, particularly if you're planning on travelling. But yes, the name has to match. All the details have to match your passport. 0818103103. John Paul taking your calls. Looking for your pet questions for Jane, please. Or you can text or WhatsApp your question to 0862 103 103. Court today on C. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Let's go to the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, where I'm joined by Jane Pickett. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you're, you're very welcome. OK, let's get straight into uh, questions. And this one came in bright and early this morning. Says, question for Jane, please. We have a new eight-week-old puppy, but she shivers a lot of the time. Now, she's indoor all the time in our house. And our house, by the way, isn't cold. Is it just excitement? Why does she do this? She's a cockapoo, adorable and so affectionate. I can't believe any little doggy could show such love. Also, at what age do we begin training her? Just the basic obedient uh, training. At what age do we start that? Any advice would be most helpful. Okay, well, that's super exciting, adding a new member to the family. Um, And it sounds like you'll have lots lots of fun getting going with the training. So from the perspective of the shivering, I think our listener has the initial basis covered in kind of making sure that the house is not cold. What I'd say is in young dogs, particularly where they're, let's say, eight weeks old, what might feel cold to us um, or what might feel like a normal temperature to us may not be exactly the same for them. So I'd have things on the toastier side inside in the house because when um, when dogs are that young, they don't have the ability to kind of mobilize their muscle sources of, of fat and reserves in order to create heat in the same way as an adult dog does. So they're a lot more kind of temperature sensitive. So I'd say, you know, try and make the house on the toastier side of things, see if that helps a little bit. It is possible that it could be excitement and it could be, let's say, a little bit of anxiety or or kind of trepidation about new things in a new environment. So try and keep a little eye on when the shivering happens. If it's just, you know, no rhyme or reason to it and there's a bit of a shiver going on. But if, if the shivering is occurring when there's something different happening that they wouldn't have seen before, let's say the hoover is being used in the house or there's new people um, visiting into the household, it may be more kind of a behavioural, a little bit of anxiety with a new a new event that they won't have encountered before. So I think you need to look at it from both sides and take it take note of the pattern of when it happens. Yeah, that will help to guide you. She's obviously just recently left her mother and I was just yeah. thinking uh, on the cold side, normally if she was still with her mother, she'd be able to snuggle in and get heat from her mother. Exactly. And yeah. I think a really nice way of doing that will be um, little hot water bottles in their crate. But okay. you need to make sure that they're covered and they're not too hot. So they need to be a super, super comfortable temperature. So I normally say just a little bit hotter than lukewarm. Um, so just that it's a gentle heat. It's not absolutely roasting and make sure that it's well covered. Exactly like if we were using it, you need to be careful not to cause any discomfort to the skin or even worst case scenario, burning. Burn, yeah. And make sure it's a nice sealed one. But that can sometimes help to soothe them a little bit and kind of replicate 
indicates that kind of snuggling into their mum that they can do. As regards kind of beginning behavioural training, so basic commands of sit, stay and walking on the lead, I would give them a week or two to settle into the house and then gently start doing it in small, like two or three minute bursts. When they're really young, they don't have a long attention span at all. Um, so lots of positive reinforcement, lots of telling them they're the best boy or girl ever and the odd treat when they've done things right. Um, and I think the sooner you start with it, you're building that bond with your dog. You're getting that young brain working. And sometimes that can, you know, help to smooth the transition into a new home because they know that they have a little family around them that they interact with. So I think the sooner the better, but give them a week or two to settle in. OK, Eleanor has a 14-year-old Bichon Freeze who's gone a little lethargic for the last few days. Seems to be sleeping a lot. He is eating fine, but he just seems very, very tired all the time. Eleanor says, is he telling me his time is up? Oh, oh um, yeah, it can be very difficult when you have a senior dog because obviously, you know, unfortunately they don't live forever and you know that it's kind of a, a little bit of a, a ticking clock when they get into their latter years. I would say that you know your little dog really, really well and you've noticed a change in him. So you've noticed that he's become more lethargic. Now, it may not be that his time is up, but I do think that any change, particularly in an older pet, even if it's just as subtle as sleeping a bit more in the last few days and being lethargic, it definitely warrants a trip to the vet. Because it might be that there's something bubbling under the surface that might be able to be dealt with to help your your pet kind of retain its quality of life. Um, and it's best to try and catch these things early. So well done for noticing the change. But I think your next step here is is booking your pet in for an appointment with, with a vet so that they can do a full physical exam and just discuss what's been going on. And if there is anything that they can do to help and keep that quality of life good, great. And if not, they'll be able to guide you as to the next step. Yeah, yeah. And actually, Isha, Isha has a similar problem. She has, hers is a 12-year-old uh, neutered female. Is it an Alaskan, is it a Malamut? Malamut? Malamut, yeah. Malamut. Yeah. Big uh, dogs. <laughs> yeah, they're like the husky dogs, are they? No? Yes, they yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. Big, big, big husky like that. Okay, he's, she's 12. She's all of a sudden gone off her food to the point that she's neither eating or drinking. And Isha's wondering as well, is this the beginning of the end? Yeah, I think it's a similar situation here. That sounds like a, a big and quite obvious change if we've gone off our food, not eating, not drinking. That's quite a serious situation. So I would say your first protocol here is you need to get your little your little dog into the vet to check out what can be done, uh, you know, if anything, to help the situation and what's causing the, the symptoms of loss of appetite and not wanting to drink. This little dog, you need to go to the vet, I think. Yeah, you need to be yeah and, get, today. and get it uh, checked. OK, yeah. uh, somebody is trying to, to toilet train a puppy. Somebody else is after getting a puppy. How often do you need to go out with the dog every day? As a minimum, every two hours, which sounds like an awful lot, but trust me, it's much easier than cleaning up the mess inside. And I think the main thing is you need to give that little puppy every opportunity to do things right by them doing their business outside in the garden or your designated spot. The more times they get it right and you kind of positively reinforce them, best boy, best girl, lots of cuddles and a few treats after they do their business, the more times they have that experience, the more times it kind of embeds it into their brain that, yeah, this is my toilet, it's outside. I should ask to go outside when I want to pee or poo. The more times you can get them getting it right and the less times they get it wrong and have an accident inside, the quicker your toilet training will be and the smoother it will all go. 
every puppy until at least six months of age does not have full bladder control. So expect that there will be accidents and mistakes. The best thing to do is not to scold them or anything like that because that can just make the problem worse is just to clear it up and try again in two hours time to, to get things right by going outside. But it, you need to go out very often. Overnight, I normally see that last thing at bedtime and take them out little walk around, do their peas and poos, and first thing in the morning and probably quite early in the morning, get up, take them outside. They may well have had an accident overnight because their bladder control is not good. But you know, you've got to you've got to work with the life stage that they're at, but a lot more often than they think they need to go out. Okay, Barry has an interesting one. A five year old Alsatian who always licks your face. How do we stop the dog from doing it? The reason I'm asking is uh, we're about to have a new addition into the household, i.e., a new baby in the next month, and we obviously don't want the dog trying to lick the baby's yeah. face. He's always licked people's faces. Is that, uh, that's common, okay. is it? Uh, it can be. Um, if he's always licked people's faces, this is a deeply embedded behaviour. And it's probably never been a problem before, so it's never been discouraged. So he's probably learned that it's a good thing for him to do, which is very difficult in this situation because now you need to try and change that behaviour quite radically and quite quickly as well. The first thing I would say is, particularly when there's a new baby in the household, safety first. Never, ever, no matter how much you trust that pet, never, ever leave it with with a young child. Um, I think, you know, they can be as soft as anything around their normal family, but you have to remember that it's, it's a new member of the family, probably something they've never seen before if it's a baby, and that's a big change for them. So, you know, I wouldn't let this dog near the baby for the behaviour to occur um, for quite a considerable period, and certainly not unsupervised. This one may be a little bit difficult, um, probably distraction. So whenever he starts licking the face, distract with another positive behaviour. So give the command to sit or to stay or to give a paw and try and break that behaviour. So kind of distraction and redirect it into something positive so that you have control of the dog is probably the best thing to do. This one may require um, some additional professional help with a behaviourist or veterinary behaviourist to break the habit and just make it a safe experience around a young child. So it would be best to ask your vet who locally is appropriately qualified and, you know, does does a good job that they would know of locally. And it may be best to get them involved just for, for some advice in advance of the new arrival. OK. All right. Listen, as always, thank you for that, Jane. Have a good week. We'll chat next Thursday. You too. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for joining us, Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary uh, Group. A couple of texts in. Councillor Danny Collins was listening to my interview with Junior Minister Patrick O'Donovan and says, Hi Patricia, well I do welcome the Minister's input into the flood relief scheme for Bantry and I do know he's fully committed to this p- project but all I have to say is we cannot see any delays, not even one day of a delay to this project. Past ministers from past governments have let down the past public reps for decades in Bantry and I hope and believe Minister O'Donoghue will stay committed to this project till we see shovels in the ground. I'll be keeping on to him till we see it. That's some Councillor Danny Collins. Thanks for that uh, uh, Danny. Hi Patricia, I received a text message from the HSE to say that my COVID cert was available online but I'm not good at online applications. The HSE phone number just gives long messages and one cannot speak to anybody in person. Do you think the HSE will eventually send out the certs by post? I've tried HSE helplines twice 
advice. No one available to speak in person. Thanking you, a McCroom listener. You okay? If you don't have somebody that can go online for you, then you're just going to have patience and keep ringing and ringing and ringing. You will eventually uh, get through uh, because uh, I saw uh, if in in all of the papers today. Actually, they're talking about it, and the Department of Health are saying you need to contact uh, in order for them to either post it out to you are they want people to go online and they say for anybody who wants uh, to request a certificate by post which obviously is what you're looking for one 700 I don't there's been a couple of numbers I don't know if that's the one that you're ringing or not but you're just going to have to patience and stay on the line you will eventually get through we've dealt with this before and we've had people on for hours waiting but they do eventually uh, get through and can anybody offer advice here hi can you fly to the UK without a passport mine is out of date and I need to go over for a funeral I would say the best thing to do is to contact the airline in which you're travelling with because the I know we've got the common travel between the two countries but they are out of the EU and all of that since Brexit I would contact the airline but in the meantime we'll throw it out there to see has anybody travelled to the UK I would say recently without a passport what other form of identification will do. The reason I say contact the airline, some of the airlines are very strict about they will only accept a passport and nothing else. So you may need to take a look at that as well. So uh, so has anybody travelled to the UK without a passport? Because the passport is for this listener's out of date and particularly when you need to go for a funeral. And thank you to somebody, I wasn't aware of this, to say when we're talking about the new St. Bridget's Day bank holiday, we're told that it's unless the 1st of February is a Monday, it will fall on the first Monday of of. of of February instead of the 6th uh, instead of the 1st somebody said just to let you know that if the 1st of February is a Friday then the bank holiday will be the Friday instead so they're trying to keep it as close to the weekend as possible okay so if the 1st is a Friday that will become the bank holiday and failing that that bank holiday will be on the first Monday of February thank you I was unaware of that okay that's where we park it for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for uh, working on the programme today and it has been extremely busy so uh, thank you to John Paul for that Nick Richards is with you talk to you tomorrow 10 Work today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's can. Sale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.